Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide, that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Quick note about the foundation. Uh, we've embarked upon our uh, anxiety and depression project to categorize and figure out every possible treatment, and provide a low-cost resource to sufferers of anxiety and depression. We have a monthly membership that is starting next month in December, and we do a deep dive on one particular topic within anxiety and depression. So if you're interested in this resource or helping out with the cause, go to FindingGeniusFoundation.org. Today I have uh, Chris Gibson. He's the author of a book called Acne Free in Three Days, and uh, he's a sought-after skincare expert and a holistic health coach and an esthetician. He's um like I said, we're going to talk about uh, acne, how to get rid of it. Chris also has a YouTube channel with like 110,000 plus subscribers. So it sounds like a very big uh, channel with a lot going on. So uh, we'll discuss that as we go. But thanks, Chris, for coming. Oh, yeah. Happy to be here. Well, tell me about uh, your background. Like, how did you get interested in skincare? You know, it's like a lot of things that happen to people in life. Sometimes some of our burdens turn into benefits later on. I suffered with acne uh, really early on. I started having problems about 11 and then did all the things that folks do with the dermatologist because, you know, generally speaking, and still today, the main goal factor with your dermatologist is to avoid scarring from the acne. So I thought it would outgrow it. I took all the appropriate medications of the time. And then I even took Accutane in my 20s when that became available and I still had the problem. So I got very frustrated and started doing some digging around and learned about diet, learned about products, what ingredients and products were really good. Didn't really matter if the label was for acne on the product or not and made some changes on my own that cleared up my skin. And then, you know, I helped people off and on for years doing that. Um, whenever I would come across her, people would ask me because I kind of knew that was my thing, even though I had a corporate job at the time. And so I, I wrote a series of books on 
how to use the internet and marketing back. And this is in the uh, early, the late nineties, early two thousands. And then I had a friend, a business partner whose wife said, you really should write about your skin stuff that you do because that's really interesting and helpful. And I've never really looked at my age. And I think a lot of that has been because I started early with taking really good care of my skin, fitness, you know, are you, all of are that. You, uh, like I'm 120 fit, or how old are you? I'm 57. Not, really? I'm, more, I'm more than halfway there. <laughs> You're right. And for listeners, I saw him live on video before we started. There's, I thought you were like 20 something. I'm not yeah, kidding. Maybe I, 30. I, I get it a lot, 30s. So I turn. I just told the story in the book. It was in a teaching. That it wasn't like do this and these. It wasn't that. It wasn't a medical book. It was just a story of what I went through. And we put it out um, as just one of the books that I had published. And it took off, surprisingly. Didn't expect that. Literally put it out. Back then, this is before Amazon um, was doing eBooks, really. They had just started. So we were on a platform called ClickBank, which is still around. That's how you got your eBooks. Um, and then got up the next day and we had all of these book sales. So long story short, you know, I took my time over the next year answering questions, incorporated those questions into the book with the answers. And then we put it out again and it did really well. And I got a break to go on television in Canada. Actually, a TV producer had picked a copy of my book up at a trade show uh, for free because I was helping out a company that I liked their products. And she tried what I talked about in the book and it worked because she had had acne for and she was well into her forties. She wanted to have me on television. So that you can imagine really changed everything. The book went, it was weird because it was backwards for most books. It was an ebook, then a paperback, then a hardcover. Um, and then of course we got into the bookstores and I did TV for two and a half years straight, uh, morning shows. And it was all because stuff, it was all because things weren't working for people with acne very well. And the things that I were talking about, changes in your diet, understanding what's in your products that you're using really seemed to help folks. So there was a lot of word of mouth and it just, it was fun to go on and demonstrate things and talk about that. And that led to other things because, uh, you know, my holistic health coach background, we ended up talking about childhood obesity, MRSA, that problem with uh, superbugs in the mid 2000s in the hospitals was a topic I got called in on. So I did a lot of expert stuff for a while and then took a break and, the, and when the great recession hit in 2009 it looked like a good time for me to take a break and and i moved from pennsylvania to florida got out of the cold and then i after about three years of sort of just doing some consulting i decided to try my hand at youtube i started the channel in 2010 and done nothing with it and i thought i'll put some videos up if they do all right and i'm still relevant i'll go with it so the channel did well for a new channel. It didn't blow up right away. Um, that happened last year, but there is still a need. And now the interesting thing is I'm in my fifties. What really made this all unique was that I'm a guy in his late fifties talking about skincare, which is usually dominated on YouTube by ladies that are 50 and over because the skincare, when you get to the male side of skincare on and beauty on YouTube, it's younger folks like 24, 25 reviewing products and whether they like them or not, they're kind of the influencer thing. So I'm really the only, you know, there are guy plastic surgeons and that kind of stuff uh, that have channels and some dermatologists that have channels, but I'm really kind of the only esthetician guy. Why do you think that is that there's nothing for older guys? I just think because men didn't really focus on skincare, at least my generation 
as much as the younger folks do now. So it, it was an audience that, you know, was there looking for, for help and the ladies too. And I think it's a different perspective. I, I mix in diet and fitness because I obviously do those things as well. And overall impact of your skin is your largest organ. So anything that you do for your health is going to affect your skin. So I do test products. I know a whole lot about product ingredients. I've formulated two skincare lines in my lifetime, one for acne and one for anti-aging. So I get to mix, I, I try to take the overwhelming amount of information and bring it down to very simple terms and what you should expect. So I always say on my channel, it's not really about the brand or the price. It's about the ingredients and their effectiveness for you. So there's an audience for that. A lot of people are more educated now that on what they eat and what they put on their skin and they, they want help. And then you've got skincare lines coming out almost seems like daily from celebrities. And so how do you know, do I need to spend $150 on this product or can I go to the drugstore and get something with similar ingredients and get a similar effect? So I try to like kind of cut through all that uh, for people and it's, it's done really, really well. It's a lot of fun. It helps a lot of people. And, uh, I get to talk my talk while I walk my walk, so it's really good. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700-plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000-plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Well, so what, what have you discovered? Um, are there medications that work or is diet 80, well, 90% of it? Like what? You know, if you throw out just some stats, like what yeah, overall do you see? It, I would say for people that are having skin issues, like acne, rosacea, eczema, psoriasis, those are tied to immune response and inflammation. So diet can have a huge impact like it did for me on those type of issues. For anti-aging, diet's high in sugar. We know now that sugar weakens the cell walls and, and hurts collagen production and over time can lead to loose saggy skin, collagen depreciation in the skin, and other difficulties we already know, health with diabetes and, and things and overweight issues with that. So a lot of refined sugar can be a problem. Dairy also for people with skin issues may find that removing dairy products, especially in the U.S. since there's still a lot of hormone injections that for in our dairy products, a lot of times, especially for the ladies, that can make a big difference. And then, you know, we've seen the impact of taking collagen peptides as a supplement, helps the skin. Things like vitamin K2 also help distribute calcium correctly in the body or more correctly, helping to get it into the areas that's needed, like your brain and your organs and your skin, rather than in your arteries where it doesn't really need to pile up. So, so diet, yes, I would say diet in your health is probably about 60 to 75%. And Numbers like that are can be overwhelming because everybody's different. There are people we know there are people that have smoked their whole life and lived to be a hundred. That does happen not very often, but it does. So it, there are individual genetic 
things uh, involved and and strengths in the body that can overcome certain you know things that go on. But the biggest the biggest risk factor to everybody outside of diet is sun damage. So I do spend a lot of time preaching and trying to do a good sales job on people using sunscreen, even though there's a lot of controversy at times with some of these products and what's in them. It seems like a diet-based protocol would systemically improve your skin. Yes. But what I see, and maybe this is necessity, I don't know. I see women worrying about their face only or their neck only or yep. you know spot, spot treatments. So what's the debate look like between spot beauty or spot treatments and like holistic, all of your skin is good type of situation? Yeah, you want to take care of all your skin. And we see that you're absolutely right. We see that a lot. You know, I, I talk about sun damage. The way to gauge that is look at the skin on your behind and then look at the skin on your exposed areas. And that will show you how much sun damage you have, which is usually shocking for people. They're like, wow, that's a big difference. And spot treatments can work well for certain things. It's really more about like, if you have sun damage, it's knowing what type of products like a vitamin C serum and a retinol can to help reverse some of that sun damage, fade the age spots and hyperpigmentation. So spot treatments, they can be effective. It really depends on the person and what they're trying to treat. If you have a lot of sun damage, you're better off going to your dermatologist and getting a skin peel where they remove the outer layers of the skin, either through a laser or chemical process so that you remove a lot of that sun damage. And that makes the products that you're using, like the retinol, the vitamin C serum and peptides, able to penetrate and work better and produce healthier and healthier skin cells over time. And it's really important to mention the over time part because just like weight loss or anything else we do with the body, skin repair takes time to show up. So a lot of times people jump into things. They don't see results like right away. They expect results in a couple of weeks and the skincare industry has not done any favors in that area because they allow a lot of uh, promises that could kind of ride on the edge (laughs) of what people should expect, but you got to give a product in your skin and you, I can hear the groans every time I say this two to three months to really judge the effectiveness of any kind of topical product, any type of dietary change, simply because it takes the skin that long to replace itself. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. So you've got to wait for collagen to be built. You've got to wait for healthier cells to be created and produced and replicated You've got to wait for the old skin that's on the surface to slough off and go away as the newer skin becomes revealed. And that just takes time. So there's a big impatience factor when it comes to skincare for people, because skin is one of those things we generally have an issue when it stands out for us. Like acne, I know for me, if I get a bump, which I rarely do, but if I get something, it doesn't really matter to me, but I can remember the feeling of frustration with my skin when that would happen. And it would be a focus and I would go on a tear to try to figure out what can I do to make this go away quickly. So same thing with age spots. So you, you, even you would go through periods where all of a sudden an age spot or some damage appears and would you have to readjust your protocol or did this uh, I don't, I don't, you started doing stuff right. That was before. Well, it was during the acne phase that I, that I, I, I know those feelings. And what happens is people will come to me with hyperpigmentation and they've got a wedding or for whatever reason, they're, they're focused on it more. They notice it more and they're looking for something to work quickly. So that is just human nature. And what I mean by that is people will get frustrated with a product and give up too soon. So I just tell people when you start some kind of regimen or change, 
take a selfie. And then at 30 days, take another selfie. And then at 60 days, take another and look at the changes that are occurring. And a lot of times that really does help people mentally, except the fact that it's going to take some time to see some results. It also helps because sometimes everybody's different again. Sometimes a product just isn't as effective for one person as it is another. So it really helps you educate yourself because we see ourselves every day. We don't see those gradual improvements or not really. It, you really have to see the before and after pictures. So uh, it, it's funny because it is human nature to really want things to go faster when we want to lose weight or when we want to correct an issue that we think we have. And it takes time. So if stuff takes months, if I took a selfie every day or a picture of my skin, what would I look at? What would I look like over the two months? Like, Yeah, well, you wouldn't take it every day. You would take it at day one. And then 30 days later, you would take another one and look and see if there are any changes or improvements. So it's not like trying to do that every day just to see. No, I think think that would overwhelm somebody. And then you run into your schedule gets weird. You don't take one that day. I don't, you're not going to notice something in it between one day and the next. Really, you're not. It really takes that amount of time. And that's why I always suggest 30 days, you know, from the weight loss side, it's the same thing. We tell people when they're on a weight loss journey, do not jump on the scale every day looking for a change that will frustrate you so much. So, well, the reason I say it is, um, if you can get like a someone that would be willing to do it, it would just be interesting to see it. Like, yeah, I remember there was a YouTube video where this guy took a picture of himself every day for 11 years and they played it forward with haunting music. So I picture that it'd be funny if you did that with, uh, you know, with changes in skin and made a video yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I know what you're talking about. I remember seeing that actually. So it just at 30 days and 90 days, sometimes things move quicker than that. You see some improvement faster. But as a general rule for most people, especially over 40, the skin is slower at repairing and replacing cells than it is when you're 20. So you're going to see less of an effect early on that you will see over time. So I'm really about prevention. With the younger folks, I talk about sunscreen and making sure that you use gentle face washes and you're not stripping too much oil out of your skin, especially if you're acne prone or any of those other issues. Because it's much easier to prevent some of this stuff than it is to go back and repair it. However, the skin is very resilient and there are things that work very, very well, like microneedling we know works now where it tricks the skin kind of into a repair mode. So it builds more collagen than it otherwise would do and can be very helpful for people with sagging skin issues, crepey skin issues. So is it yeah, kind of like a kind of acupuncture in a localized small it, area? It is, and it's a small roller with these like a hundred tiny little needles on and it doesn't it's not comfortable when you use them it doesn't really hurt if you go to a certified esthetician or dermatologist they use deeper needles so there's a little bit more pain involved they usually use a numbing cream but what it does is it pricks the skin just ever so deeply not super deep and makes the skin think that there's been damage like when you get a cut or you know a scrape So what the skin does is it turns on those receptors, those stem cell receptors to build collagen and repair itself. And it has been shown to be very effective to help people with collagen loss issues increase that layer. They've actually gone and done biopsies before and after to see the difference. And there is a substantial difference. Now, microneedling takes time. It's, uh, again, kind of uncomfortable. You kind of look like you have a little bit of a sunburn, but it can be done in many areas of the body, neck, backs of hands, arms. You know, certainly the facial area, 
not around the eyes, obviously, because that's you want needles in your eyes. But it really is one of those techniques that's been shown to be very effective for a lot of people. And then, of course, we have all of the new therapy devices, red light masks, RF radio frequency, which goes down in the lower levels of the skin, kind of like an ultrasound, warms up that layer where collagen is produced and kind of tickles the mitochondria, which are the things that turn on the cell receptors to replicate themselves and is effective over time as well in helping thicken up the skin again and give some of that padding. And ladies have more of an issue with this than men. Men typically have more collagen, deeper collagen layer, but at some point it can be a problem for everybody, especially if you've been on medications or you've had a severe illness that you've recovered from. It can take a lot out of the energy of the body and the repair cycle of the skin against your largest organ. So, you know, it's going to, forever we've known that skin can show illness, you know, discolor, you know, if you get that kind of off color. So, I mean, if someone, I mean, I would bet there's a lot of people out there, maybe their face looks really good, but the rest of them doesn't look so good because maybe they're not using a dietary approach. They're just looking at, again, a spot approach and, oh, I just want to make my face look better. Yeah. You see that all the time where people have taken care of their skin on their face and, and sometimes their neck, but not the chest. How do you take care of um, your skin all over? Like, you know, I don't know if a lot of people would want to rub a a lotion over their entire body or, you know, it would seem like diet is it, but what else can you do? Well, diet helps overall, certainly so. And making sure you have the right supplementation uh, can be very healthy. A healthy diet, leafy greens. I talk about this all the time, you know, vegetables, lean meats, oils like olive oil, Mediterranean diet. We know that all has impact overall. But you want to exfoliate. I talk a lot about that on the channel. You want to exfoliate all over. And, and I'm not a big fan of scrubs because they have, they're gritty and they can tear the skin. But there are devices like a buff puff pad, which I've used since I was 20. And things have been around since before the 80s, I think. But some or a Goshi uh, exfoliation cloth will help remove that very outer layer of dead skin cells, which allow your moisturizing products to work better. And there are body products now that have hyaluronic acid or sodium hyaluronate, which is very hydrating to the skin. It's a salt that we produce anyway, but it helps hold water in the skin. Very, very effective overall. Certainly sunscreen on any area that's exposed. You know, you want to be sure you're using that. And the thing that people don't understand about sunscreen is that it will also help reverse some of the sun damage when you start wearing it. So the energy goes from the skin trying to protect itself from the damaging UVA, UVB light to repair. So the energy goes from trying to to produce melanin to protect itself from that to repairing the skin that you have without the production of all that melanin. And it really can make a difference in the youthfulness, the hydration factor, even that crepey looking thing that happens with a lot of people's skin as we get older can be reversed by simply using sunscreen and a good moisturizer overall. But yeah, skin is skin from the head to the toe. You got to take care of all of it. I've noticed in um, older people, it seems like their skin gets very thin and it literally tears. You know, like they'll brush up against, you know, a wall or something and it literally will give a cut on their arm. You know, like older people, I guess, I guess yes. people in their late 60s, 70s, 80s, et cetera. What can they do? Yeah, my mom had that problem. I actually did a whole video on skin tears and it, a lot of the same things we're talking about, taking, making sure you're taking a collagen peptide supplement just a powder you put in coffee or my my mom's doctors have her start doing that 
It's great that they were in agreement with that, that those amino acids are very helpful. Will help the collagen from the inside out, making sure that you're getting that vitamin K2. Skin tears are a bigger problem for women than men as they age. And that vitamin K2, again, will help strengthen the structure of the skin, especially the elastin and kind of thicken that up. And then talking to a dermatologist about a microneedling program to help thicken that skin as well. So I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive when you have microneedled skin, when you get tears, but there are products and, and medications, prescription medications and retinols that can help get the skin to a certain point. And then you can begin doing the microneedling and it actually helps a tremendous amount. And because uh, as I said, my mom had those, those are no fun. Skin tears are just no fun. They look, they yeah, are what's as bad as they look. I guess they usually scar over. Like what's the difference between something happening to your skin where it will heal itself and it's scarring over and never looking the same. Like, where is that line drawn and, you know, what situations are you most in danger of that happening? The genetics plays a huge role in this. And that's in the type of scarring that you get. That type of scarring that we see where there are the lines and they're kind of raised or rough, that's a keloid where the skin has basically over-repaired itself and it kind of has a tough scar. You know, a lot of times surgeons try to use special stitches and silicone patches over those to keep that from happening, that tough scar tissue. But basically, if you if you treat the skin, and if you have a skin tear problem, we'll, we'll just focus on that one. If you have a skin tear problem, you really do need to seek out some dermatological advice on that so that they can give you the appropriate creams to help prevent that scarring and help thicken that outer layer skin to help you from having that happen in the first place there really isn't anything you can do genetically to change the how you scar some people don't scar at all you know it's very strange how that works but the more generally the more collagen that you have available under the skin more elastin the less scarring you're going to have that elastin think of it as fibers that go through the layers of the skin and kind of hold everything together kind of tight slightly slightly uh stretched a little bit so this is what helps us move if you can strengthen that, you're going to far you're going to have far less likelihood of a skin tear, and you're going to have far less likelihood of scarring because when you don't have a very strong layer of elastin, the skin can overproduce that keloid or that cellular material to protect itself. A scar does two things: one, it helps pull the skin back together and heal it, but a lot of times it wants to form that to protect it from further damage in the future. Sort of like a memory thing if you makes sense. So I always tell people if that's an issue you have, and the video that I have on that is very popular and it works very well. It's a lot of things you and I've already talked about, the things you can do to help with that. But I always tell people that is a situation where you really want to have a medical professional take a look because there are prescription products that they can try different ones to uh, help thicken that outer layer of skin to protect it from tearing in the first place. So how about skin problems that people either are aware of or not aware of that are signs that their skin is going downhill? What well, are some of those? Thinning, looseness, sagginess, crepiness. Those are the main visible factors that most people notice. Dryness. If you, if some people get older, their oil glands quit producing as much oil and they notice dryness. Dryness is something you want to address, uh, you know, right away with a, a good moisturizer, you, have dry, you know, with ceramides. There's, there's the moisture layer and then there's the lipid layer on the skin. The lipid layer is that 
area of the skin cells where we produce oils that help hold moisture in and protect us from toxins and irritants in the environment. So a lot of times what happens is we get older, we produce less of that oil, skin becomes drier, more sensitive, there's more inflammation, redness, flakiness, sometimes even breakouts. So you want to be sure you're applying a good ceramide cream. I talk about CeraVe all the time. It's a line that's really designed. Well, my, my daughters have that. Yeah. yeah, designed to help with with lipid issues. You want to make sure that you're hydrated, enough water, that you have the right kind of fats, omega threes, help with these issues. Everybody should be aware of them. I mean, we talk, we hear about that in heart health all the time, but it's very important for skin health. And again, that vitamin K2, I can't, can't say that enough. Study after study is coming out showing what a difference having that nutrient available in the bloodstream and body does for a person's health overall and for their skin. And it is a nutrient. It's not to be confused with vitamin K1, which is what you see on most labels when you buy uh, supplements. It's a different form of vitamin K that does different work in the body. The vitamin K1, we used to think about that as coagulant it helps people the thinner blood helps uh, thicken that helps with repairing bruising and things like that that happen and it's a very great nutrient but vitamin k2 is rare it's harder to find so you usually have to take it in a supplement form you'd have to eat like just loads of certain foods which wouldn't be practical to get it the level that you really need so vitamin k2 is kind of the thing that's out there right now that we're hearing about even from plastic surgeons and medical professionals that especially for the ladies, it's such an important thing because there are calcium issues a lot of times there as the hormones change as they reach their 50s and 60s with that bone thinning, bone loss. And you know, bone loss makes you look older because if your bones shrink underneath your skin, guess what? Your skin's no. looser. So very important to protect the bone health. So all of these things all interplay with each other. Fitness, light exercise. I tell people about walking studies, uh, have shown for years, but there's been a lot of focus lately on the effects of physical activity and skin. And I've, I've got a video coming out on this, take three years off your skin in eight weeks, because it can really fitness, a uh, light fitness, it's not running to the gym every day. I mean, a gym rat, it's walking or playing with your dog, just having a good substantial amount of 30 minutes to an hour of physical activity a day, doing your 10,000, 20,000 steps, whatever, however you want to measure that can really play a very big role in keeping your skin and your body more youthful biologically. And for people who have not been as active, it has been proven to roll back their biological age by several years, sometimes up to 10, and depending on the person and where they're, where they're at on that scale. So what do people notice that really take care of their skin, you know, all over like you do? Like, do they get sick less often? Um, you know, what are some uh, unexpected benefits they notice? Yeah, I think in general, if you follow the healthier diet and you do the physical activity, your body's in a more alkaline environment. And alkaline environments are not very conducive to colds, flu, viruses have a hard time taking hold. So I probably am sick a lot less than a lot of people. There are anecdotal studies right now on COVID and all that other stuff, all the things that we've been dealing with and why some people get sicker than others. And some of that fitness and diet history has shown up in those studies as a problem for or making it more of a problem for those people to fight those viruses off. So yeah, it's, you know, you want to, I, I tell people, I'm not trying to help people look younger. 
I don't want to look younger. I just want to look and feel the best I can feel every year. And honestly, physically, I feel about the same as I did in my late 20s. I don't have the achy stuff that I hear about. I don't have trouble walking. I see people in their 30s with difficulty walking, which is kind of kind of scary. But I have stayed very consistent over the years with my fitness. And I, again, I'm not a gym rat. I don't go to the gym every day and all that stuff, but I am very active. I have my two dogs, I do a lot of walking this weekend. I walked 10 miles in one day, just walking through town. We went to a trade show that was out in the park, you know, just staying active, um, getting fresh air, getting out of the house. And, you know, that leads to mindfulness, which is sort of the third peg in the wheel. And that is reducing stress because all of these factors together you want to reduce inflammation and inflammation can come from stress. It can come from poor diet. It can come from illness. It can come from all sorts of lifestyle things that you have going on. And inflammation is the big issue when the body is inflamed over all the time, you're taking energy away from the reproduction of your cells. You're actually producing less healthy cells. It's kind of why it's a vicious cycle. You see people start to get active and then they, start to crave the right kind of foods and then they start to have more activities in their life and they start to feel better. So that cycles up. Same thing can cycle the other way and be a vicious cycle. I don't feel like doing that. So I don't. So I stay more sedentary, which makes me feel a little achy and stiff in the morning. So I really don't feel like doing anything. You see what I mean? So you can have momentum either way, but okay. you can make those changes can make a huge difference in a very short amount of time. You know, four weeks, dietary changes we're talking about topicals earlier and how long it takes to see effects from that when you're talking about diet and fitness four weeks you'll see a substantial feel a substantial difference if you're consistent so when people you know change their routine and eat better etc i guess in their perception at first nothing happens and if people aren't aware of you telling them hey it takes a month or a couple months they give up and they just say oh it's not working right it happens it's the same thing you see in weight loss you know people will really have, especially we're moving into that time of year where January, all the resolutions happen and the gyms fill up and people really try, but they get sidetracked because after a couple of weeks, they hop on the scale or they look in the mirror and they're not seeing what they were expecting and they give up. And especially when it comes to diets and workouts to lose weight, the body has an initial phase of inflammation. When you start getting on the treadmill, start taking those walks or start changing things in your diet, your body's going to react to it at first with some inflammation, which is going to make you retain some more water. So a lot of times people will start this stuff and go a week, even maybe into the second week and they'll hop on and they look like they gained a pound, even though they've cut tons of calories out of their diet. And they're just very disappointed and discouraged and they don't realize that their body is holding inflammation. And if they just stick it out, then what we see happen is people get on the scale three weeks out or a month out and they've dropped 10 or 15 pounds because now the inflammation is gone. The body is used to the activity to release all that fluid and water weighs a lot. You know, it really does. So uh, you wouldn't see how much weight change. Get on the scales and drink a couple of glasses of water. 30 minutes later, get on the scale and see how much weight you put back on you, number wise. It water weighs a lot. So that inflammation really, free, it really tricks people and trips them up if they don't, they're not aware of it. So a lot of times trainers and fitness uh, professionals will try to coach everybody through that period because it, it is mentally 
the most difficult period. It's much more difficult in the mind than it is on your body. Interesting. Okay. Who tends to be your audience that's most receptive? Is it men or women, older people? It's about people? half and it's about half and half. I have a lot of guys. I, you know, when I did acne, I had a lot of guys because uh, it's a guy talking about those things. I don't do makeup tutorials, so I think that kind of helps keep the balance between the men. A fair amount of late. It, it varies really. It depends on the series of videos that I've done for the month. Sometimes the, the subscribership will tilt a little bit more female, and then you know. I'll do some series on things specific to guys and it'll tilt a little bit more towards the male, but it really does run on average about 50, 50, uh, which is great. Cause there are guys out there, you know, trying to take care of their skin and, and for the guy, for the guys, it's usually, they don't necessarily want to look younger I, with the ladies. A lot of times it is wanting to look a, a lot younger because that's a terminology that's been used for so long. But with the guys, it usually is they want their skin to look healthier. They don't like the way, you know, it looks thick or it's dry or it's usually that's, that's what happens. But, um, and that's a generalization. That's not true for everybody. Some guys do care just like some of the ladies have the same traits, but it's, it's a very human thing. And so I want to look, I know I'm not going to look younger necessarily. People assume that I do and I, that I've been doing this a really long time, but my goal has never been to stay looking 20. What I want is to feel good and healthy skin makes is part of feeling good. Healthy looking skin makes you feel good about yourself and you can own your years without plastic surgery or any of those other things. Although I will say, I tell people, I don't say that those techniques are bad. In some cases, if you feel that much uh, negativity towards yourself and a, a facelift or a neck lift or something that's going to help you feel better about yourself and you're doing it a licensed professional and safely there's going to be downtime there's going to be pain involved but the there are people i know that have had those procedures that you would never know they had them this is not the freakish stuff we see some celebrities do and other people these are just enhancements to tighten the skin and it they look great and they are very happy with that and they're very happy that they did it so it really is a personal choice and i don't get in the way of any of that it's just like Botox and other things that people do. That's not something I would do, but you know, if that's, if that makes you feel better about yourself and you function as a kinder, happier, healthier human being, I'm all for it. Right. Do they call you baby face Gibson or anything like that? Uh, when I was doing television, my friends were calling me Hollywood. I said, well, that really doesn't have anything to do with Hollywood, but I was on a lot of lifestyle shows and there were a lot of celebrities on those same shows. And we would talk about some of this stuff and, and they would, they just, most of them that are my age wish they had listened to me when I told them to use sunscreen 30 years ago. I don't know. A lot of people, I don't, I know not everybody, but I think your average person is not out in the sun very much anymore. Seems like it. It's the, if someone's not out a lot, will they still be significantly yeah, affected because, or if you have to be yeah, out a lot? What we see a lot, and I have it to some degree, not a great degree, what we see a lot is people who drive the driver's side and this is in any country, you know, because people drive on both sides, here. left or right, will have more sun damage than the side that is in the internal part of the car. The sun damage that occurs in the skin is a cumulative thing that happens over time from UVA, UVB light sitting in a window, even though the sun is not beaming in directly on your skin while you're sitting there, you are receiving doses of long wave UV light. 
which will damage skin cells over time. So people often ask me, do I need to wear sunscreen indoors? I'm like, well, it's a good practice, actually. You know, it it really depends. If you're a person who lives in a part of the country like this time of year, I lived in Pennsylvania for 15 years, the UV light's very low in the winter. It's still there. I still wear sunscreen because it's just a practice that I do. Better safe than sorry. But the thing to remember, it's not going out and getting the sunburn necessarily, although that's, that's not great. But it's that cumulative overtime exposure when you're between the car and the store, when you're sitting in the window working or you're, you know, you're outdoors, even if you're not sitting in direct sun, there's still UV light around you. So, you know, I always say I like mineral sunscreens better than chemical ones, but I don't really care. Just wear one. I like mineral because, you know, it's doesn't have all the other stuff in it that can be a problem for some people. And the other thing to say here is you don't have to have an SPF 50. Uh, You don't need something that strong. A 30 is fine. Those 50s are greasy usually, and they are more irritating to the skin, especially if you get them here. So a lot of people don't like sunscreen because they sweat and it gets in their eyes. I said, well, if that is an issue, try the infant child formulations of your favorite sunscreen that are designed not to cause problems and sensitivity if they get in the eye. They will migrate. Some of those, you know, as you sweat, things will migrate. So you have to kind of play it by ear. The zinc sunscreens are less irritating, but anything like that that gets in your eye is going to be irritating. And I get it because that's happened to me. I like to garden. I'm outside quite a bit now that I'm in Florida. And sometimes I will get that and sweat will roll down and get near my eye. And it is very irritating, but I just wipe it away. And go on about my business because I'm not going to stop wearing sunscreen because I got some in my eye and it burned that one time, you know, because I know it's protecting me. Last question. Have you heard about uh, probiotics for the skin? I a lady a long time ago about that. What's what's your thoughts and experience? Okay, so so there's two ways to look at this. There are probiotics that you take internally, which I'm a big fan of, that improve your health in your gut, which really helps your skin and other organs of your body overall. If you've been on antibiotics for anything, it's always good to follow that up with a round of probiotics to rebalance that bacteria because antibiotics tend to just kill everything, good and bad. So that's one answer. The other is do probiotics in skincare on the skin make a difference? It depends. Probiotics are really designed to work on good and bad bacteria, help balance good and bad bacteria. There have been some improvements in people that have skin conditions like rosacea eczema, and acne when certain probiotic skincare products are applied because it helps lower the inflammation. It helps reduce the amount of bacterial growth in the skin. It also helps reduce the amount of yeast that grows on the skin. So it can be helpful. It really is. You just have to try them out. I mean, they're not, you know, it's not going to, there's no miracle in any of those topical products like that. The most miraculous topical product we have as far as effectiveness is retinol and, and tretinoin, retinoic acid. That is the most, as a prescription or as a topical that's non-prescription, that is the most active reactive. Next under that would be like vitamin C serum that can have direct impact on the cellular structure of the skin as a topical. Most topical products Collagen, creams, the molecules are too big to really go anywhere through the skin. They're not going to travel. Same thing with the probiotics. They're not going to travel any further than the the superficial layer of your skin, but they can help with hydration and help with those things that we just talked about, like yeast growth and inflammation. And anything that reduces inflammation in the skin is just heaven to people that have skin care issues, you know, just so relieving. So, you know, my answer is you have to try it and see if it works for you. 
Well, very good, Chris. Where can people get more info, your podcast, et cetera? The best place to find me, the easiest place is YouTube. You could actually type my name in the search bar on Google or on YouTube and a skin condition and a video will come up at 463 videos. So I've just about covered all of them at least once. You can contact me from YouTube. All my social media information is there. And then of course I have my blog called Skin So Fabulous, which you can again, type that in Google and you will find my blog. It's interactive. It's more like a Facebook group, but we're not on Facebook where you can direct message me questions and talk to the other members. It's free. It's a free blog. And all of my books and stuff are available on the blog for free download and all of that stuff. So I'm not too hard to find. Well, very good, Chris. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was great. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.